This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good morning and welcome to the last episode of 2022 for GoToGrandma. I'm Kathy Buckworth, happy to have been your go-to grandma for the last year and so excited about episode 73 today. We're looking forward and reflecting back. We can do that. We can discard some of what we don't like and keep and maybe improve what is working for us. January is the prime time for many of us to look for a new you, for the new year. But I'm here to tell you that the old you is probably pretty good as well. But the fact is that our bodies are constantly changing, and we might have to change how we treat our bodies. First up today, nutrition expert Miranda Milisani tells us about the changes we might expect as we pass the age of 50. I remember 50 fondly, and I ask her if January is a good time to start a diet. In fact, is any time a good time to start a diet? Then, strength and nutrition coach Amanda Thebe talks to me about her book, Menopocalypse, and why the time seems to be now to be talking about menopause. It's sort of having a moment in the media, and not a moment too soon. Amanda says she went from surviving to thriving, and she's going to help us do the same thing. It might also be the time to look back before we look forward when it comes to our financial planning in 2023. Kathy Burroughs from RBC is here to recap the top Take 5 with RBC interviews we did in 2022. I'm looking forward to 2023, even though I'm going to be hitting a milestone birthday. No, I take that back, maybe especially because I'm going to be hitting a milestone birthday. But that's not until the spring. We've got lots of reasons for you to put a spring in your step next year, and it starts now. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and you're listening to Go To Grandma. Miranda Melisani is up first. Miranda Melisani is a holistic nutritionist. Her down-to-earth attitude, authentic passion, and ability to simplify health information has made her a renowned professional in the field. Miranda has appeared on numerous radio shows and TV programs, including her role as a resident nutrition expert on The Marilyn Dennis Show on CTV. Good morning, Miranda. Thanks so much for being on Go To Grandma this morning. Thank you so much for having me. So this show, it's, it's December 31st. Maybe a lot of us are thinking, I should go on a diet. Should we go on a diet in January or ever, Miranda? You're the expert. You tell me. <laughs> it's such a great question. And I think it's a kind of a loaded question. Too, yes, in some ways, absolutely. Diet has that negative connotation that we're supposed to restrict and deprive ourselves. And I never believe that we should do that. I think it's an opportunity in January because it is a state of renewal, a new year, to take a look at what you need for you and get closer to that place. So, you know, at the stage of our life where we need to really tune in to our body, I think we do throughout our whole life, but maybe there's more time to focus on yourself. Mm-hmm. And in those moments, be really clear as to paying attention to the signs that your body is telling you so that you can get closer and closer to the foods that are right for you and the activity that's right for you so you can gain strength and uh, nourishment in that way. Yeah, so maybe instead of looking at restricting from doing something, what can we add in and maybe what can we do less of? <laughs> if I can put it yeah, that way. Yeah, and I think that what happens is when you start feeling really good and you're on the right track, you forget that the foods that you've had to kind of put to the side because they're not making you feel good, 
it, it, like it doesn't feel like deprivation anymore. It feels like you're giving to your body. So it takes a bit of time to build up the momentum. The only thing I don't like about January is creating these unrealistic ex, uh, you know, resolutions yeah. where we set ourselves up for failure. And then at the end of January, because it's a bit of a depressing time, we tend to kind of go back into heavy emotional eating and whatever is kind of like soothing our emotions, which really brings me back kind of to the basis of what I believe my philosophy on health is understanding what your body's trying to tell you and really making peace with the inner saboteur that really throws us off track when it comes to our diet. So it speaks in lots of ways and we have to become um, really aware of the whispers and then, you know, the screams that happen to get closer to that. And I find that, you know, of course, we hear these whispers, but of course, we age and we change. I'm going to be 60 next year, but I wanted to talk to you about the changes that are normal, sort of for 50 plus, our audience sort of, you know, 50 plus. So we're not the same as we were at 30 or 40. So what can we do nutritionally to sort of maintain that balance still? And first of all, you look amazing. And I'm seeing your workouts (laughs) on social and I'm super inspired by you. So awesome. (laughs) So my fishing trip worked for a compliment. Thanks so much. (laughs) (laughs) When it comes to changes, yes, of course, after the age of 40, we lose an average of 8% of our muscle mass every 10 years. By age 70, this goes up to 15% per decade. And so bone loss, muscle loss, slowed metabolism are are things we definitely want to focus on. And so strengthening, um, making sure you have enough quality protein in your diet, I always recommend the protein, healthy fats, fiber, antioxidants, I mean, forever. But there should be a focus on every meal trying to hit those marks. Mm-hmm. You also believe, though, besides, you know, we've just we've talked about nutrition, we've talked about activity, et cetera. You also think there's a metaphysical element to supporting our health. So how does body wisdom fit into that? Mm-hmm. I think, well, I know, you know, our body keeps track of all the experiences we've had our entire life. And there's definitely an emotional connection to our physical symptoms and the physical manifestations of our, our poor health at times. So for example, I'll take your a thyroid, a thyroid condition. Mm-hmm. From the metaphysical root, the emotional standpoint, it could be a lack of being able to express your truth in life. It could have been an emotional pattern that, you know, was created in childhood, and it's something that's kind of been in the back, you know, kind of just always a pattern in your life. And then you get to a place where maybe the external noise isn't so loud, kids are doing their own thing, and you're, you have more time to focus on yourself. And then you kind of hear it louder. And so these conditions that come up in our life are an opportunity for us to revise, um, review, and heal patterns that had been part of our life that have that connection. So I really do believe in listening to the body in so many different ways and the wisdom that comes from it especially from an emotional standpoint, can be really beneficial if we see it as a kind of the holistic package, really. And I guess we have to really think about that in terms of if we hear from somebody, well, I'm doing this plan or I'm doing that plan. Well, everybody's different, right? We have to look at our own bodies, as you say, not listen to what's going on with everyone else. The answers are usually within yourself. Yeah. Well, they're always in yourself. And I think being able to trust in that, spend time to change something up and then go back to your body and say, how do I feel? Mm -hmm. Do I have more energy? Do I feel more let's say, stabilized? How does my nervous system feel? I mean, after this pandemic, everybody has been impacted in terms of their nervous system health. And this is a really great opportunity in January to get a sense of what makes you feel stable, grounded, strong, and energized. And that comes down to understanding your mind, body, and spirit connection. And, you know, we're listening to this on December 31st, and we're starting, as I mentioned before, it's going to be January tomorrow. So for our listeners, in terms of fuel, like how am I starting the day, like January 1st, what's happening? What's your advice on that? 
Yeah, I really believe in creating sustainable routines that work for you. For me, I believe starting a day with as much of the quality fuel to really set the stage. So, for example, protein again, healthy fats, fiber, antioxidants, and your greens. When you start the day, especially with protein, it stabilizes your blood sugar, makes you, uh, it makes the three o'clock dip, you know, what we want mm-hmm. like carbs and caffeine um, and sugar. It makes it less of an impact. So I love starting the day with a smoothie. And in the winter months, you can make it like a warmy. A warmy. <laughs> you can heat it up if you want. It's definitely better for the body to have more heat, um, warming foods. So I put in a plant-based protein. I definitely put flaxseed, especially for women. So great for hormonal health and getting the bowels moving. Um, and then greens, baby greens, some spinach or kale. And then always a healthy fat because that's going to help keep you satisfied longer as well. And then the booster. So, again, coming back to what you need individually, I love medicinal mushrooms because they're kind of like all-purpose, supportive, amazing. Um, You know, they're just so great for health in so many different ways. And then you can add things like collagen or, you know, maybe you want to add more calcium to it. Get to know what you need and then try to, to hit those marks in the morning because also from a psychological perspective, you feel more motivated in your day when you do so. Yeah. And, you know, all of these things that you're saying, I think, you know, we're thinking, well, I, I don't know where to start. I guess the place to start, honestly, is to consult a nutritionist like yourself. We can follow you online and pick up a lot of your tips that way. We can find you at MirandaMalisani.com. And we can also find you on Instagram, Facebook. You have a YouTube channel, Wellness with Miranda, to pick up these tips and hopefully start a new year off right and feel better at the end of January than we did at the start. What do you think? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> I, I love helping to co-create health with others because it is kind of like a dance, you know, you're, you try something, you see how it goes and you continue on. And that's life. It's a journey. It's not in the outcome. It's in the experience of choosing something new. And we have that opportunity every day. So important. So important. Thank you so much, Brandon, for being on the show today. Thank you so much. And happy new year and great to speak with you. You too. Take care. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Amanda Thebe is a fitness and women's health expert with nearly 30 years of experience in the fitness industry. She is the author of the Amazon best-selling book, Menopocalypse, How I Learned to Thrive During Menopause and How You Can Too. As Canada's first menopause coach and educator, Amanda provides on-site or virtual educational presentations in the workplace to improve productivity, retention, and attendance for female employees through menopause. Good morning, Amanda. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I am super excited to be here, Kathy. And I just watched you do your strength training yesterday. So, <laughs> kindred spirit. Exactly. And I watched you do yours too. And I loved your book. So, your book is called Menopocalypse How I Learned to Thrive During Menopause, and you can too. I'm going to start, Amanda, with a little quick a quote from your book because I loved this. Menopause is not something that needs fixing or curing, it's a natural process that you must go through at the end of your reproductive years and that signals a brand new place of your life. I liked refer it as a transformation. I love that positive aspect of it and your book right in the title from surviving to thriving. How did you get there? Yeah, well, I actually wasn't barely surviving. And I think that's sort of a really good place to start because essentially I, in my 40s, started going through perimenopause and had, I was in Canada and I had about two years of feeling really unwell Mm. with a poor quality of life and it impacted everything from my relationships, my work, and I, I really didn't get answers from the medical community until I did. And then when I did, I was super frustrated with my gynecologist. I was like, why didn't 
I know this. Yeah. Why isn't anybody talking about this? This is something we're all going to go through. All women are going to go through. And yet it's just almost like an invisible conversation. And so I sort of fell down the perimenopause rabbit hole about 10 years ago and then came out the other side with this book. And the whole purpose of the book was sort of to be your best mate's guide to menopause. So you're not going through this in the dark, but also to show women that, you know, this is something we're going to go through and there's definite things that they can do to take control of their health. Yeah, and you talk about, you know, going through it in the dark. Maybe we feel like we're going through it alone. I've been through it. I'm 59. I've gone through it. But in your book, you say 30 million women in North America are going through it at any time. That's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. And by the year 2025, there's going to be 1 billion women in North America in menopause and so we have like this huge amount of women that are going to go through this you know we're living longer and there's more women in the world and yet we're still having to fight for knowledge even just support that's crazy it, to me, that's crazy. It is. And you talk about in your book, too, like menopause is something that we didn't talk a lot about. I certainly didn't talk to my mom much about it. Why do you think it's having sort of a moment now? What's changed, you think, in sort of, of how we deal with it? And why is it getting it's getting a lot of press now, which is awesome. But why now? Yeah. And I don't have a definitive answer <laughs> apart from possibly, you know, maybe we're just not going to sit back and right. take it. I think this generation, you know, maybe we're a bit bolder. Maybe, maybe we're a bit more empowered and we're seeing injustice happen in healthcare. And so I think that, you know, like for me personally, I think it's just there's a, there's a tranche of women like me out there that are like, this isn't good enough. And I also know the next generation are definitely not going to take it sitting down. And I speak to my nieces and my friends' daughters. They're like, this is disgraceful. So I feel like we, we, we feel empowered to pave the way for women now and for future women coming forward. But it's now become a, a topic that doesn't feel as awkward mm-hmm. to talk about. I've seen in the past eight years, the conversation has evolved in such a positive way that we're now at the stage where it shouldn't be a head-scratching conversation. It should be, oh, yeah, yeah, menopause. What is that again? You know, it's <laughs> yeah. at least a conversation we're having. And I love that, you know, you go into actual workplaces and talk in workplaces about productivity and things like that, that menopause can actually affect taking it out of sort of the coffee clutch or the wine lunch I had with my friends the other day where we talked about it, you know, and taking it into sort of these real-world applications to say, we need to talk about this, like not just women, everyone. Everyone. And here's the thing. People don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's that simple. And so when I go to workplace talks, I always do it with, you know, all members of staff. It doesn't just have to be the people that are going to go through menopause. And when they hear, like, the definitions of what's going to happen, potential accommodations that need to take place, and then give them the tools to help this be a transition that's doable for women... You know, it's really well received because then they can have compassionate conversation. They can have the ability to sort of say to women, well, what is it you need? You know, how can we help you? How can we support you? And I found it to be a really great experience because I can see that this is something that people want to know about because they understand the importance of keeping, maintaining and supporting this elite member Mm -hmm. of their workforce right like 
the older women in the workforce are the ones that are really providing a ton of value. We don't want to lose them. And we, we're seeing one in 10 women leaving the workplace because of menopause. That's crazy. That's a crazy statistic. I know. I, I loved it. Your book is full of all kinds of advice and information and exercises that we can do and, you know, things that we can eat and make everything better. But I'm going to put you on the spot and say, what's the best advice you can give women in midlife to help them through menopause? Well, I'm not going to say education because that is something <laughs> that I think is a given after right. what we've just said. But it really is the most important thing. But then I would say to women, like, if I could get you to try one thing that you've maybe never tried before, that would be strength training. And the reason is, is because there's an abundance of data and evidence to show us how beneficial this is, not just through menopause and also for helping manage some symptoms, but for longevity, for fighting all-cause mortality and the diseases that are ultimately we're at risk of. And so, like, sometimes people don't know how to start or where to start. And there's lots of resources out there. As you said, there's resources in my book as well. I just like every woman just to try it because the transformation of how capable they feel and how it improves their self-esteem as well is, to me, unbeatable. And I know you feel that too, right? I do. I've been strength training for years and years. And actually, of course, during lockdown and we had to take it into our homes, I thought, oh, I'm going to lose this. But I'll tell you what, I actually kind of like doing it better from home. There's so many great trainers and videos online that start with strength training. You just need a few little weights or, I don't know, cans of soup to get started, right? It doesn't have to be complicated at all. And even starting with our body weight, because I like to say to women that, you know, we're all beginners at some stage and the entry level doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you start, right? It's just the starting that counts. Absolutely. And I love following along on Instagram. You do strengthening, you do all kinds of exercises. You bust a bunch of myths around menopause, which I also love. And we can find you, yeah, and we can find you on Instagram at Amanda Thebe. And Thebe is spelled T-H-E-B-E. And of course, your website. And I encourage anyone who's going through perimenopause or menopause or even postmenopause. And what was that that just happened to me, right? To pick up your book, Menopocalypse. It's a great read. Thank you so much for being on the show today, Amanda. Thank you for having me today, Kathy. And thank you for everything you do. I think you're amazing. Oh, thanks. Cheers. Thanks, Amanda. Kathy Burroughs works as a pioneer in customer management strategy and execution in financial services. As senior manager marketing for RBC Bank U.S., she supports a cross-border team of specialists in acquiring, engaging, and retaining clients. Her job is to make banking better for clients, and that includes sharing her top five picks from Take Five with RBC on GoToGrandma for this year. Good morning, Kathy Burroughs. Thanks for coming back on the show to give us your top take five with RBC picks. So exactly which five did you pick? We've had more than 50. I know. And let me just say it is very fun to be back with you again, Kathy, and doing the top five from take five with RBC after another great year. But it has been a little tough. We've had a full year of shows to consider, but here goes. Like last year, my selection criteria were really for advice or tips to help make better financial decisions. So my picks include, one, the 2023 economic outlook for Canada and the U.S., two, wealth transfer between generations, five tips for legacy planning, three, a new retirement second act, four, U.S.-bound student tips, and last but not least, number five, estate planning for digital assets. Okay, so tell me a little more about the picks so we can remind our listeners. Sure. Some of the best segments for advice from RBC experts were on the Hain Gain Show, including Carrie Freestone, a senior economist with RBC Economics, who was sharing the three main economic factors facing Canada and the U.S. today, 
which were high inflation, rising interest rates, and a possible recession. And Kerry was also offering advice for U.S.-bound travelers, recommending they plan for the U.S. dollar continuing to appreciate into 2023. And while the pandemic has had an impact on the economy, a recession is likely but expected to be mild, which is good news. And finally, she reports that inflation has peaked and recessions are part of the natural cycle of the economy. And just a few weeks out, her advice and forecast is holding up well. So well worth a listen. And then in the Grand Plan show, Tracy Wu, our VP Professional Practice and Tax for RBC Royal Trust, talked about wealth transfer between generations and shared some of the most popular options and their benefits as well as their drawbacks. And Kathy, this was a really popular podcast where we shared it with the audience, as the options include, of course, setting aside money for education, a registered education savings plan is a really go-to option to save for a child or grandchild's education. And while setting up a trust may be a consideration for some, a simpler option may be to just gift money during your lifetime. And other options would include leaving an inheritance or naming a beneficiary, for example, on an RRSP or a TFSA. And really, her bottom line was whether your situation is simple or complex, it's really worth checking the best wealth transfer options for both yourself and your family. And of course, there were retirement segments featuring advice from RBC clients, which included the Intelligent Life Show featuring Peter Hoy and his second act. And his best tips for retirement planning were finding one's passion, as Peter found key things were missing from his life during his working years, like spending time with his family and nurturing two other passions, his paddle sports, and giving back to the community. And he's able to enjoy these activities now because of his strong financial plan. And that required retirement planning and a good financial advisor. And Peter also emphasizes taking care of your physical and mental health. And Kathy, I know that fits well with your philosophy too. Yeah, he was great. And more good advice was in your Healthy Knowledge Show, which featured a segment on U.S.-bound students. For a grandchild continuing their studies at a U.S. college or university, there are some extra considerations including financial ones, which include before leaving to study in the U.S., making sure to complete the documents, like an I-20 for student eligibility. Also, when getting to school in the U.S., by ensuring the U.S. border immigration paperwork is ready to show at the port of entry, and that includes Canadian passport or Nexus, the original I-20 certificate for student eligibility, and, of course, proof of Canadian residency. And then once in the U.S., maintaining compliant and legal status, having easy access to finances, and remaining protected in the event of an illness or injury is really important. So the advice here is for must-have health insurance, a U.S. domiciled bank account and credit card, and, of course, consult a tax advisor. But my top pick of all was the digital asset segment with RBC Royal Trust in your newborn show. So tell me why the digital assets take five with RBC interview was your top pick. Well, I have to say, I think it was a top pick as it was really new news to me. And Tracy Wu from Royal Trust shares that digital assets can include any information or records stored in social media accounts or any other type of online account. And these assets can really fall into three buckets. One, those with sentimental value, such as family photos and videos. Two, assets that carry financial value, such as cryptocurrency or even loyalty points. And three, those that provide your executor with valuable information for estate administration. And those can include emails or banking or health records that are stored in an online account. And Tracy goes on to list, you know, nine steps to take care of these, which I'll just summarize as do an inventory of these assets and list what you have and what's important to you. Be sure your will is updated with your intentions for these assets. And then 
schedule yourself to review and update the inventory so your assets are handled in the way you want and your digital files and photos can be preserved for generations to come. That's it. And this is a great recap of the things we talked about. I can't wait to get into all of our new subjects in 2023. In the meantime, we can go to discover.rbcworldbank.com and search for Go to Grandma to find all of these episodes. Thanks so much for joining us again, Kathy. Thanks, Kathy. Happy New Year. You too. Take care. First, forget inspiration. Habit is more dependable. Habit will sustain you, whether you're inspired or not. Habit will help you finish and polish your stories. Inspiration won't. Habit is persistence in practice. A wise quote from our friend Amanda Thebe. We need to get into the habit of taking care of ourselves. And I hope you all get into the habit of joining me every Saturday morning on Zoomer Radio to hear from wonderful guests like Amanda and Miranda and Kathy, as you did this morning. Next week, it's our first show of 2023, of course, and I hope you remember to tune in because I'm going to be talking to author Hilda Otsby about her book, Adventures in Memory, The Science and Secrets of Remembering and Forgetting. I'm sure all of the grandparents in the crowd have no trouble remembering the super cute things their grandkids do. But what was the name of that book you wanted to pick up? Maybe it's Dr. Lori Brado's book, Better Sex Through Mindfulness. She's on the show as well, and will be telling us how we can put mindfulness to practice in our sex lives. You remember what a sex life is, right? Yes, kids, it's true. Even grandparents have sex. What a way to start the new year. Happy New Year to all of the grandparents and grandparent wannabes out there. I'm Kathy Buckworth, your go-to grandma, going into 2023. Enjoy your grand journey. Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Twitter at Kathy Buckworth or email her Kathy at KathyBuckworth.com. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.